welcome to the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. Dr. Steve Wood sitting here in a hotel lobby in San Diego with my man, Bill Kanaski. Bill? Yeah, we're in the Gas Lamp District here in downtown San Diego. I got some cheesy music, uh, hotel yeah, lobby music. Sorry, behind. Yeah. It's actually a pick-me-up type of music, but, you know, at 6.15 local time. And by the way, my, I'm going to start. I have two rants today. The first one is... Uh, which you experienced last night, but not to my extent. Yeah, thank hey, goodness. Hey, what type of city has a music festival on a Wednesday night until 11 p.m.? Yeah. Not, I mean, the building was shaking. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, that was the whole, that was my night. So I'm like, I got no sleep. I'm thinking, who in the world has a music festival on a Wednesday? Wednesday night. They yeah. shut the street down. You heard. It was quite the production. Here. It was quite the production. So Dr. K has no sleep uh, whatsoever but the bigger rant is so yeah because i'm up at three o'clock in the morning so on eastern time so i go down to the gym in between sets of shoulder rehab by the way which that's a whole nother rant i gotta get into a little uh, rotator cuff problem is i looked down at my phone and i have this app called uh next door do you have next door the next door i i used to have it i don't get on it but yes I know. But you know so it's yeah, yeah. so you log on and whoever's what in your like kind of local yeah, neighborhoods, neighborhoods and communities yeah. and people post stuff and stuff like that so there's a post from my wife that she put. Po- so she posts this publicly that uh, my son left his bike. Okay. There's like a bike rack up at the beginning of the neighborhood where the security gate is. That he, he, he left his bike up there right before the hurricane, let the hurricane go by. And now the bike's missing. And she's, she posts this to say, Hey, if anybody's seen this $300 bike, can you please contact me? Well, funny enough, this is the first I'm hearing of it. So I took a screenshot of it. I said, to my wife, like, what the, f- you know, what, what's going on here? Oh yeah. I meant to tell you. Yeah. Your son lost his bike. Don't you think maybe I should have maybe been the first phone call on that? I would think, but based upon the, based upon the reaction, maybe there's a reason why you weren't the first phone call. Well, I'm not. I'm not very happy uh, with that. So, needless to say, the first call home today was not pleasant. Of course, housekeeping has just turned on the vacuum cleaner yeah. in the background because we cannot get a freaking break here in San Diego, people. Yeah. We thought so. It was quiet. There's only a little bit of activity going on. As soon as we cue up the microphone, all of a sudden, everybody wants to do something. If I tell her to stop, do you think she's going to stop? No. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully, she moves over. The sound will be that bad. Um. Today's episode, and I think we're going to do multiple um, ep- episodes of this topic because I've been collecting uh, viewer and listener mail. I've got a, I got, I've got a shit ton of questions, and I have not shared these questions with you. In nice. fact, I'm going to turn my laptop this way because I want to bounce these off of you. All right. And I do not want you to be ready for them. I just want off-the-cuff answers. Um, this first one's outstanding. Uh, dear guys. Uh, what are some of the things that this is from an attorney, trial attorney, defense counsel? What are some of the things that jurors are highly critical of at trial that I may not be aware of? Hmm. Hmm. I get I got a lot of these questions. Huh. Things that they're not. I think, I think this is different for females and males, too. Yeah. Based on how jurors can be critical of little things that have nothing to do with the case. Yeah. I, I find a lot of times, depending, you know, they are critical, like as you said about whether or not male or female, I, I find that jurors tend to be a little bit more critical of females, right? And in, in, in their presentations. Attire. Yeah, a lot Shoes of- Shoes are a big thing. Yeah. I mean, jurors comment on, on the, and we're going to do a separate podcast on dress code. Uh, but yeah, 
uh, they're definitely going to get um, uh, dress code uh, remarks depending on what venue. And I think the dress code is going to change per venue depending on where you're at. I mean, I think how you dress in Des Moines, Iowa, may be a little bit different than uh, Vegas or yeah. LA. I think some other, speaking of Vegas, yeah. that's, that's another thing that made me, made me think about something that we own different. Vegas, by the way, people <laughs> own the jury consulting. We've, uh, we've cornered the market there in Vegas. Well, in, in cornering the market means you have to know how to say the state name, right? It's Nevada, Nevada, not Nevada, Nevada. but that's Nevada. another thing. When Our current say, client today, by the way, can't say Nevada. Uh Oh yeah. She says Nevada. Not, and you, and by the way, you jumped right on her. For that. Yeah. Cause the jurors jump on you. That's my point. And that's where I was going is, is jurors will jump on you for things like that. Mm -hmm. you think, well, what, what does it matter? But obviously for someone who lives in Nevada, it matters. And it could, you know, it's across the board for, for other venues as well right is to know the kind yeah. of what what are the what are the little nuances of a certain venue so that you don't come in there and, and say something that pisses off jurors uh, that happens all the time not one well, another thing let's just get away from the tire another thing is jury uh juries i i see pick on uh, at trial and this is from post-trial interviews is uh like how organized your council table is oh yeah yeah i mean if you're or if, if it looks like a tornado went through your council table you know you need to have your pens lined up your little sticky notes lined up and jurors, um, they're checking out things like organization on your table. Yeah. You know, how you communicate with each other, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I've written on that too. Obviously, my attorney credibility articles was talking about that's one of the things is if you seem disorganized, if you seem like you don't have things together, the jurors are definitely going to notice and they're going to definitely, you know, hammer you for it. And it could be the difference too is if, if they start to sense that you're unorganized, if they start to sense that you know, you, you don't have your act together, it could bleed over obviously into your presentation and you, you could be giving good evidence, but the fact that it's kind of mishmashed and you can't find what you need to on a paper at a certain time is problematic. Okay, Dudeness, she is using a vacuum cleaner. She's getting close to us and it's not on carpet, right? No. I mean, this is a carpet vacuum cleaner and she's going over, is it tile, marble? I mean, this is actually unbelievable. All right. Next question that is kind of related to the first one. And uh, you had a nice segue with your Nevada, Nevada, Nevada is, uh, dear guys, how do jurors perceive out of town defense attorneys? Yeah. You, know, you parachute in on a case or your attorney coming in uh, from a different town. How does that play with the jurors? Because I, I do think it can make a difference. Oh, I think <clears throat> I think it does more often in, in a a bad way if they come in and they're and they're flashy if you're in a if a venue that's more rural more conservative and your attorney comes in and has this rolex and all this i'm laughing yeah. because of, thank you hi hi we're in the middle of a podcast what's your name cristobal thank you very much i we'd like two coffees absolutely see the service we get here at the hilton gas lamp district is is quite amazing I'm glad that the vacuum stopped. We had to get that to stop. Needless to say, uh, yeah, I think uh, attorneys coming out of town with the infamous case in um, in uh, New Orleans. It was an oil and gas case, you know. There was a environmental case, and they brought in LA attorneys, no, and I'm all sure the LA attorneys like bought cowboy boots and shit oh, like yeah. that, and they were just trying to dress like yeah. Southern. Yeah, that's not going to work out. Jurors are jurors are not going to like that. So yeah, but I think though there's there's something to be said. Obviously, if you can connect with jurors and, and find find common ground with them, and just, yeah, you might be from LA going to 
a different venue, but if we can find common ground with them. But yeah, as far as buying brand new boots and all of a sudden you're getting a cowboy hat and all of a sudden you yeah. you turn out like uh, Brian Kelly and you develop a, yeah, uh, Brian Kelly. a Southern yeah. accent that doesn't exist. Uh, it I'm can, so happy to be here at LSU. Yeah, like, I can, what can, are you doing, Brian Kelly? It can be backfire. So I think it goes to a point really as, you know. Be yourself. Yeah, be genuine. Be genuine. Be, just be yourself. And I think you embrace where you're from, right? Now, then again, if you're a Chicago attorney and you're going to Green Bay, Wisconsin to try a case, not a good idea. I, I just don't, don't think that's going to Don't wear your Packers gonna, tie. Or you don't, don't wear your Bears tie. And you don't wear the, the cheese head thing either because they're going to figure it out really quickly. So I think it is be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else because it's going to stick out. Everybody is going to figure it out. This is damn good coffee, by the way. Have you tried it yet? No, I have not. Yeah, Crystal Ball set us up because we're the only people here. Yeah, uh, that vacuum's going again. Wow, I kind of like this kind of on-site live. I wish we were live, live. That yeah, would be great. That would be good. we need you to know. do this more often. But this is the first time I think we've seen each other. And yeah, so the first time together. that we're really kind of you know off-site doing this. So this is really yeah. fantastic. Okay, next question. This is a doozy. How do I get a former employee to cooperate for deposition? He was terminated and still pissed. <laughs> this is a killer. How I've got a case list. We we go to trial in two weeks, and we're like red carpeting this guy with, you know, paying your gas, fill up your gas tank, pay your miles, you know, lunch here, order an extra lunch, take it home to your family. I mean, I think that's all you can really do, right? I mean, if if they're no longer an employee, they're not a named defendant. What skin in the game do they have? And and you you can't go to them and say, you know do us a favor, do us a solid yeah. and help us out because they're going to tell you to get lost. So um, I think, yeah, that's that's definitely a difficult one. And I think to your point, the best thing you can do is... is Very nice. Yeah. I think you have to say, listen, you know, the plaintiff is trying to disparage your name. That's Directly, where I, I mean, go. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, they're calling you out. Now, yeah, you're not an employee anymore. But, you know, but this is this is your name and we don't think you did anything wrong. And I may be pissed off uh, for us and other, for other reasons. But I think, you know, they can be um, fairly compensated for their time to come in for witness prep or trial prep. You know, you need to, uh, you need to, you know, throw them out uh, mileage money or gas money. And you got to feed them well when you're there, right? Take, take care of them. And you got to be flexible. But they say, hey, I can't do this until after work, right? Well, right. then you're going to be doing it from 6 to 9 p.m. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's flexibility, um, taking care of them. But I think that all those prep sessions have to start with a little venting session. Absolutely. They're pissed. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's what we've always talked about, you know, on, on multiple podcasts about understanding where your, where your witness is coming from and then addressing that rather than launching right into it, especially when in those situations, I mean, most witnesses, if not all witnesses know the game, right. Where they're saying, yeah. you're just calling me in to save your ass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just really, which is true. Yeah. <laughs> but and they and they know it too though and that's the point is they know it so now they feel manipulated or they feel like the only reason why you care is because you know you need me to not say something bad to take yeah. this case yeah by the way i'm totally getting the breakfast burrito it's uh, freaking fantastic here they make the trees on back um homemade tree oh it's, it's just, i'm going breakfast burrito i don't know the menu's over there i'll take i'm, just, I'm totally go i mean i went egg whites and you know oatmeal yesterday but the day before Breakfast burrito here at the Hilton Gas Lab District in um, San Diego. Can't beat it. I think it ranks in my top five of breakfast burritos. Are you a fan of breakfast burritos? I'm sort a huge of. fan. I mean, living in Texas, apparently it's a thing. Well, see, thing. that's, yeah, I don't live in Texas. Yeah, so when so I travel, I'm getting a breakfast burrito. 
All right, next question. Okay, this, I, again, some of these questions are kind of off the, off the wall, but hey, you know, viewers and listeners have questions, attorneys have questions. Do, do jurors like attorneys who wear glasses? What make me look more sophisticated? All righty. I think, you know, I think one of the really kind of a, the thought that you were talking about is bringing up a lot of times that we get asked, yeah. should I do this? Should I do that? Should I wear this? Or should I wear that? I mean, there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer for everything about whether or not you wear glasses or you don't wear glasses. Or do I wear my hair in a bun or don't I wear my hair yeah. in a bun? I don't think the case is coming down to the eyewear. I, no. I really, I really don't think that. No. But also, I, I think also attorneys, it's like you can't really give them anything without them getting offended by you. It's, it's like when your wife asks you, you know, hey, does this dress look good on me? Right? If you don't say, oh, it looks fantastic. I mean, you're, you're going to be in the doghouse. Right. Um, and so, I, again, be natural. Be yourself. If, if you typically normally wear glasses, I wouldn't go out and buy a pair of glasses for trial. No. Then you're, you're fidgeting with yeah. them. Maybe they don't fit right. You get that thing on your no the bridge of your nose. Yeah, don't. Okay, so I think uh, don't, just, if you wear glasses, wear glasses. I will bring that up. One thing, though, I think one I've noticed, I've actually heard from jurors before about wearing glasses, though, is, is some jurors have been upset about attorneys who have their glasses that are kind of half on their nose, half off, and they're looking down at their paper with their notes, and then they're looking up over but the bridge of their readers, glasses. But if they're readers, that's the way you wear readers, right? No, I know. But I, I mean, we've heard before where they, some jurors feel like it's condescending. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, but at the point, same point though. To your to your point, I don't think I would use the comments of a few jurors though. To... That's not going to drive down. Yeah, it's correct. Not, new, yeah, nuclear verdicts. Cause number six. Yeah, wearing <laughs> you're wearing the wrong glasses, you <laughs> yeah. idiot. Uh, yeah, no. Now I would say, I okay. Two things I've heard from jurors. Number one, if your if your glasses are 15 years old and don't sit even on your face, you you look disheveled. I mean, come on. Yeah. Right. So you they got to look, and I would say. Um, when I wore glasses, thank you, eye surgeon, uh, don't wear glasses anymore, but upgrading your glasses, you got to spend some money on some nice glasses. Yeah. Now, not over the top, but they got to look professional, right? Yeah. I don't know. Um, okay, let's get off the eyewear uh, comments. Um, let's see. Next question. Do expert witnesses really impact jury decision making? Ooh, this is this because, boy. The money that are spent on these expert witnesses is staggering. Yeah. And I got I got bad news for you on my answer on this question, but I'll let you comment on it. No, well, I think my 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 comment obviously is a lot of times <clears throat> jurors obviously understand they're paid experts. Jurors understand that essentially they're not purely objective, right? They're being hired by one side versus the other, and that they're gonna say whatever their side wants to say. With that said, I think that the value of an expert witness, though, is to bring a level of understanding to a technical topic that sometimes the attorneys can't address or don't address or aren't able to address so that the experts are able to clarify and explain things uh, for jurors. They but, help the attorneys more than the jury. Yeah. That's what yeah. they do. They help yeah. form arguments. So, Correct, yes. They um, help. If you have two good experts on either side, it just doesn't matter. Now, if one expert like drastically outperforms the other, I think, yeah, but in, 90% of these cases, we don't have, we don't see jurors making decisions on, oh yeah, that expert was fantastic. And we, we chose the defense because they had the better expert. That just doesn't happen. Uh, there you go. I like the, 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 the mid, uh, the mid podcast sneeze by Dr. Wood. Yeah. I think right before the, we started, yeah. I was, I was choking. I, I uh, took a 
very bad angle on the sip of my water and uh just hacking my brains out how was that water around. anyway is that this but, water's terrible Any, that, if a water comes in a can with the exception yeah liquid death, liquid death. Yeah, let's go yeah. again we're still looking for them to be a sponsor yeah. we're arguing with our producer about that uh but yeah canned water in general very very bad it's a little metallic taste don't like it uh get some you get yourself some liquid death that's you got some that's good the way stuff. to go yeah that is the way to go all right uh this is another really good one i get this question a lot and now that trials are kind of back in full steam here and by the way i've i've written on this topic i've spoken on this topic for 12 years no one listens uh how long should my opening statement be duh but go ahead short concise no one but it's the thing it's a um there's this defense mechanism in in, in the attorney brain that i'm representing this client more is better more is better and i gotta put on this you know, one hour and 15 minute thorough present. Steve, everybody's falling asleep after 35 minutes. No, I agree. And, and we're going to see it. When we, and they're when pissed. We, yeah. And they're pissed. They, the eyes will glaze over and, and they're not paying attention. So yeah, you don't need to spend 25 minutes thanking the jurors for their service, talking about what a civic yeah. duty it is oh, and God. how you, you're happy to represent the your client. And that just come out, come out. 25 to 35 minutes in most cases, the majority, sweet spots. That's your sweet spot. And here's the other thing I get. Well, plaintiff's counsel is like, we've done the research on plaintiff's counsel. He or she, you know, they typically go at least an hour. I'm like, good. That's good for you. Yeah. Good. Let, let them, let that, let, let the plaintiff's attorney put the, put the jury to sleep. Oh, by the way, we forgot to do that. Welcome to our new segment. We have a new, uh, we have several new uh, listeners from a, a specific uh, uh, group. Yeah. 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 Uh, How did we forget? Plaintiff, plaintiff attorneys. Welcome. Thank Welcome. You. We know you're out there. We I actually had two of them email me, email me that said, because uh, uh, most of our presentations are to defense bar, defense clients, defense groups. But some of them we do are open to all attorneys because it's CLE, uh, could be state-based and anybody can jump on. I don't care. That's fine. I'm getting, I'm getting emails from plaintiff attorneys saying, I, lo I love your stuff and I, I really like the things that you do and uh, I like your podcast. Like, well, thank you very much. So plaintiff attorneys, thank you. Becoming very popular. We have another story we'll tell you on a different episode about a recent recent presentation that uh let's just say the litigation psychology podcast was uh we're very popular in the defense. Yes, 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 we are. I kind of like that. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, 25 to 35 minutes is your sweet spot for your attention span. You go over that, you're losing people. Okay. And we've already we've we've had a podcast about how to order the information okay you have to come out firing i'm not going to redo that whole podcast now but come out firing with your best stuff not oh i'm so happy to be here to represent corporation xyz no 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 you do that in jury selection okay you get up and you start firing missiles right alternative causation right you're blame to blame you're going to blame the plaintiff you're going to blame the co-defendant an empty chair you've got to do something to get the blame off of your client and point it someplace else, and you got about you got about ten seconds to do that, so don't don't screw that. Well, up. I mean, obviously, Bill, there's a reason why we keep our podcast short, right? There's a reason why we don't go the hour length like a lot of these. Not other gonna podcasts. listen, no. Except our one hundredth episode, that was good. Well, By the yeah. way, I think we're quickly approaching two hundred. Yes. One other thing: length does not imply strength. It doesn't. It does not. It does not. In fact, and then it, and then things get disorganized. It's just you put people to sleep. So 25, 35 minutes, people in your opening. Um, let's do a couple more and then we'll do it. We'll make this a two part series. Um, 
does it look bad in front of the jury if I object a lot as defense counsel? That's a good question. I guess it would depend on what you're objecting about and how often, but I'd say at the same time though, I think you run the risk if you're not objecting yeah. that you're like, letting plaintiff counsel get away with a lot of things because they know you're too scared to actually object. So they're, hey, they're going to push, they're going to push the limit. Yeah. They're going to toe up to the line. They're going to go probably over the line because they know you're just more scared about looking bad in front of the jury of objecting. Than Juries you don't are. give a shit. Listen, no. these people, these people watch freaking uh, movies. They watch, what, what are they doing in the movies? Objection, your honor. They're expecting it. Yeah. Right. Number one. But number two, and the most important thing, and listen, I'm not an attorney. You're not an attorney. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, uh, exactly. Love being a psychologist. But what I hear from my very close uh, attorney friends is to, to, for your appellate case, right? right. You better object. That reptile case went to the, to the uh, appellate court in California and got denied. And the number one reason was, well, you didn't object it, contemporaneously with what's going on. And that's the key. And by the way, object in jury selection, goddammit. I mean, if they're reptiling, right, your jurors with all the safety bullshit, you object. I just saw another case recently where that, that exact same thing happened, where one of the attorneys tried to bring up an objection much later, and the judge said, no, you had an opportunity to object, and you didn't. I know. So, so you've got to object. It's, I think it's how you're doing it, right? But you have to do it. In the jur- now, I, have you ever interviewed a juror after a mock or a real trial? I don't know. I, those objections really insulted me, or yeah, I never, was offended by never No. Heard that. Gosh. I mean, come on, people. Yes, you got to object. And you got to object in, in freaking jury selection if they're pulling their reptile crap, right? But in, in opening statement, if yeah. they're bending the rules, dude, you got to object. You got to object. And if you don't, it, it's going to cost you. Uh, you better do it in closing, too. Because um, if you don't, again, there goes that appellate case down the drain. Let's do one more and then we'll do a, we'll do a, we'll do a part two. Uh, oh, you're going to like this one, Steve, because you just did this last week. I did it like three weeks ago. Uh, you guys travel a lot. How do I survive a red eye flight home from California back east? Man, talk about pain. Pain. I've done it twice. The first time I totally screwed it up. And I think I was off for about the next two weeks. Yeah, it's awful. Melatonin. Uh, mel- yeah. yeah. Rule <laughs> number one, yeah. melatonin. Rule number two, no booze. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get off the sauce. Yep. That's yeah. Don't don't drink before. And then, like I said, you got to figure out a way to be able to sleep on that plane. You have to sleep on that plane. But here's the thing. When you're in California and you're going back to the East Coast, it's that because your flight's going to leave at what? 10, 30, 11, 11 p.m. local time. Well, that's, you know, one o'clock in the morning or whatever, one three. So when you're at the airport, it's that kind of 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. local time where you're just you're dying. Right. You're absolutely dying. Uh, I would, uh, I would take a little bit of caffeine, right? I would bring some work to do, but you have got, you cannot fade at that point because then you're going to be screwed on the flight home. Well, I think to your point about a little bit of caffeine, not that wouldn't be the time to go Let's out. Let's not go and, crazy with this. Not be, not be the time to go out and pound a couple of Red Bulls. Yeah. Um, Cause then you're never sleeping on the plane either. Then you're totally really screwed up. Totally agree. All right. I think that's enough for today. We have to go do a mock trial. But uh, this was fun. We have a bunch more questions that we'll get to uh, for the next episode. Thanks for joining. This has been another edition of Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. See you.